Hello, and thank you for listening to another edition of our EPS Real Solutions podcast series. I'm Lisa Baer, and today we're going to take a look at the potentially headache and heartburn-inducing administration of FMLA intermittent leave. This regulation can create challenges for employers on a number of fronts, so we're going to provide you guidance on how to minimize both the headache and the heartburn. Molly Holub, our Houston-based EPS consultant, wrote the book, really the article, on FMLA intermittent leave that we'll discuss today, and we'll link to that article on our website. Molly joined EPS after her work as a solo practitioner in the Houston area, and prior to her solo career, Molly practiced employment and governmental entities law with the firm of Mills Shirley, where she counseled both governmental entities and private employers regarding a variety of employment law issues. Additionally, Molly represented private and governmental employers before the EEOC, the Texas Workforce Commission, and she has extensive experience litigating claims of employment discrimination and related employment law torts in both state and federal courts. Molly brings both her Longhorn and Red Raider credentials to EPS as she received her Bachelor of Arts degree from the University of Texas at Austin and her law degree from Texas Tech University School of Law. Welcome, Molly. Thanks, Lisa. It's great to be here. Employers can really be challenged to stay on top of these regulations and administer them appropriately. I want to step back a bit and look at when intermittent leave might come into play. A leave that has a clear beginning and an end is somewhat more straightforward and more typical potentially. So can you give us some examples of real-life scenarios? where intermittent leave might be a factor for an employer-employee. Sure, absolutely. Um, Intermittent leave can be used by any employee who might need to take uh, his or her leave in smaller chunks than the full 12 weeks allowed under the FMLA, um, either to address his or her own medical conditions or the medical condition of a loved one. So, for example, um, if unfortunately you're you're undergoing cancer treatments and you have scheduled chemotherapy on a weekly basis, you may take uh, FMLA intermittent intermittent leave for that chemotherapy treatment. Or uh, you may have a chronic condition such as diabetes or high blood pressure, and uh, less uh, something that's not scheduled, but you have a flare up of that condition and you need to take leave to address that condition. Um, Some other examples would just be caring for a family member, a child, or a parent, or spouse who also has um, an illness where you might have to, a chronic illness where they may need to go to the doctor or or see a a healthcare provider and you are um, helping to facilitate that. You may take intermittent leave for, for situations such as that. In those scenarios, I can imagine that the employee supervisor is often the first person to hear that request for leave, whether it's intermittent leave or otherwise. Mm -hmm. So I'm the supervisor who gets the request. What is the appropriate initial response that I as a supervisor can give uh, to the employee when I receive the request? And maybe even more importantly, what should I absolutely not do in response to a request for leave? Right, that's a great question. It, it is often the supervisors who receive um, notice that their employees need to be out for various reasons. So the first step is identifying whether 
this request to be out is um, FMLA qualifying because sometimes employees don't even identify uh, that their that their request for leave is FMLA qualifying. So it's important as soon as the supervisor is aware of that such a request to partner with um, HR with the leave administrator to make sure the proper paperwork is filled out and completed by the employee or the employee's healthcare provider uh, to make sure that, that there's a certification there for the FMLA or to determine whether the reason for leave is FMLA qualifying. Uh, so then next, the supervisor should be aware of any FMLA dictated deadlines. Most of those deadlines apply to the employee but the supervisor and whomever they're partnering with, whether it be HR or the leave administrator, should be aware of what those deadlines are. Also, it can help, uh, the, the supervisor can also help track the leave. Once, once it's designated as FMLA qualifying, the supervisor can help to, to track the intermittent leave. That's so hard often for employers to keep up with how much leave is actually being used. So the supervisor can definitely help with that, whether it be keeping track of, of the, the leave on a spreadsheet or there's some software that's been developed to help in that regard, but just to help keep track of, of that, that leave and how much leave has actually been taken. And, and you brought up a good point about what a supervisor should not do. Direct supervisors should never contact uh, an employee's medical provider directly per, regarding uh, FMLA qualifying leave, that should be handled by, um, by HR, by a leave administrator. So all the I's have been dotted, the request has come in, it's been approved, the employee is now in the mode of being at work, taking a, a bit of leave for a period of time, they come back to work, leave, and so forth. So this can create questions and reactions from coworkers within that particular work group of the employee that's taking leave. Not all of those reactions are positive. They're certainly not productive. Do you have any tips for dealing with the responses or questions that might arise from a work group when a colleague is taking intermittent leave? Confidentiality is the key to that. Uh, what a supervisor should do if there starts to be any questions about um, the absences of a coworker is just to address the group, let them know that, that the coworker is on leave and that it has been okayed by the employer, uh, and then there really shouldn't be any more discussion about it, about why the leave is being taken or the circumstances surrounding the leave. Uh, hopefully, uh, employees are pretty aware of, of the FMLA and the confidentiality issues surrounding any kind of medical leave, and, and that's really all of the discussion that should occur among the work group in a case like that. That's straightforward, and you made a reference there. This is a great segue, Molly, into having a solid policy in general that employees are aware of when it comes to leave, and it's especially critical when it comes to leave administration. Um, intermittent leave particularly. Can you give us a few key items that a really rock-solid leave policy should contain as it relates to intermittent leave especially? Well, thankfully that the FMLA is very specific about 
uh, has very specific guidelines and regulations. So uh, a policy should should follow, an employer's policy should follow the, the letter of the law, so to speak, when it comes to the FMLA. One, one thing that should be addressed in an employer's policy would be, because of course FMLA is unpaid, if there is paid leave available that employ, an employer wants to run concurrently with the FMLA leave, it needs to be spelled out in the policy. So, so that's what an employer's policy really needs to be clear, that when you are FMLA qualifying, you will also be taking your paid medical leave or sick, sick leave concurrently with the FMLA. Another another component, I guess, to a policy that, that is more solid would be where an employer might want to have a doctor's note for the absences note for the absences. Uh, that's okay as long as doctor's notes are being required while the FMLA leave is running concurrent with paid leave. So you can require your doctor's note from your employee during the course of the paid leave as long as uh, your policy clearly states that that's required for any kind of medical leave that's paid. So you can require a doctor's note for FMLA leave while it's running concurrent with the paid medical leave uh, as long as your policy spells out that that's what's required, that a doctor's note is required during that time. Once the paid leave runs out, and your employee is only meeting the FMLA leave, the unpaid portion of the leave, you can no longer require the doctor's note for that portion of the FMLA leave. And this kind of points out the necessity of solid policies, but it also is the administration of that can lead to managers, I'm sure, stubbing their toe potentially on administering leave, especially when doctor's notes are required and what's concurrent and so forth. We all know, especially at EPS, how important manager training is on leave, attendance, timekeeping, all of those things, Molly. And as a trainer yourself, tell us a little bit about what are the key elements of managerial training, especially as it relates to leave and intermittent leave specifically. Yeah, that's a great question. It's it's wonderful to have a solid policy in place, but if your HR folks, if your supervisors, if your leave administrators are not aware of the policy and its application, then it's it's basically useless, right? So um, it's so important to have training not only on what the law is, but specifically on what your policies are as the employer, so that the supervisors especially are aware of what those policies are, but also, of course, HR and leave administrators. So the training, that training is very important. Making sure the managers understand that communication is key. If they have a question, if they're not sure how to handle the situation, the best thing to do is to go back to HR or a leave administrator or someone who specializes in this to help work through a situation. A manager should never feel like they have to be on their own when trying to apply the FMLA to an employee situation. Once the leave has been established, again, making sure that the managers are aware of what kind of tracking programs are used, make sure that they're, they're aware of those and they're utilizing them. And again, if there are any questions about how to appropriately categorize leave or how to track it, 
you know, to consult the policy and to consult your, your HR or leave administrator professional. The Department of Labor has come out with forms that are the appropriate forms to use, you know, when certifying uh, leave, when having to recertify the leave as FMLA leave. So I would stress that not just managers, but also you know, HR professionals, everyone in this, this situation utilize the Department of Labor documentation and forms because then you know you're not running afoul, you're not asking questions that are not appropriate under the FMLA. Thanks, Molly, and thank you to our listeners for joining us today. We hope we've lessened the headache and the heartburn associated with FMLA intermittent leave tracking and administration. You can find the full link to Molly's article and a short webcast on the topic. You can learn more about Molly, EPS services, and listen to other Real Solutions podcasts at our website, epspros.com. That's epspros.com. You can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Google+. We'd love to hear your feedback and better understand the employment practices challenge you face as an HR professional, and we hope you'll join us on upcoming podcasts. Thanks again.